0: You know, we we really can't overstate the importance of Holy Spirit. You really can't overstate the vital place and the vital need of Holy Spirit. And that the Christian life is actually impossible without Holy Spirit, because he's actually a call to a supernatural life. That the believer is not merely human, (laughs) The believer is a new creation. New like never seen before on planet earth. We're a new people. God has made his home in our hearts. So that means we can bear supernatural fruit because we've been born again as a spirit. We've been born again from above. We're not just people who have got religion. We're not just people who have got some good habits and some good disciplines and some good practices. We're men and women that have been impacted by heaven, by Hallelujah. God himself, and that God has made his home in our hearts. Amen. So that's the invitation of what it means to be born again. So if anybody says to you, do you, do you, are, you are you a Christian? Um, it's not an invitation to start coming to church, and it's not an invitation to have a new kind of morality. It's an invitation to be encountered by God, and to be made uh, a new creation, and to come home to be loved by God to call him Papa Abba and to be filled with the Holy Spirit that you can bear impossible supernatural glorious fruit and that's what we're going to talk about this morning of what is this fruit and how do we bear it And we read last week about walking by the spirit and it, it, in act, I'm sorry in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19 it says "The acts of the flesh are obvious: sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discourse, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, and orgies orgies and the like. And we said last week that when we decide to um, live independent of God, when we decide to fill our emptiness, really, through independent living, it affects our actions and it affects our mm. attitudes. And that list, really, that first list, we don't really need any supernatural help doing. But, you know, when we, the battle's really between our ears. And when we believe that having this, or doing this, or this action, or this attitude will get us what we want, when we believe that between our ears, as a mindset, as a way of seeing the world... We pursue that and we go after that and we don't really need any help at all in doing that. But the believer is not like anyone else on the planet. Paul says in Romans chapter 6 that we're to reckon ourselves and consider ourselves dead to sin but alive to God. And we looked at last week that the believer, when we choose to walk by the Spirit, when we choose to live by the Spirit when we choose to sow to the Holy Spirit, we actually don't do those things. Not because we're super disciplined and we're gritting our teeth and we've got white knuckles. But the promise is, when you're walking by the Spirit, you don't do these other things. It's like there are two paths. One path which is, I do what I want when I want, and I won't yield, won't surrender, won't fully trust... It leads to those things. But when we say, I won't live independent of God, I will trust God and look for him to satisfy me, then we find ourselves bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's important to say that the, the, the Paul says in the Bible, God gives us all things to enjoy. Gives us all things to enjoy. God is actually a hedonist. He's a pleasure seeker. God is not a killjoy. Actually, if you look at everything, he made everything for our pleasure and there's a right order to things. It's like food. There is nothing better than French Christmas. (laughs) There's nothing better than sitting at the table for two hours enjoying the best food with the best wine. That's pleasure and I think heaven's going to be full of good food. But when I seek to satisfy my emptiness through food, that same thing can become gluttony and numbing through food. So God gives us all things to enjoy, but we won't be mastered by any of them. So the fruit of the Holy Spirit then, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control um, notice that the first list is the acts of the flesh and the second one is the fruit yeah. of the spirit it's it's one fruit with various dynam- dimensions and tastes to them some commentators say that there's love and then all the others are an expression of love Amen. That That joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control are all manifestations of the one fruit, the fruit of love. The first thing to say then is, only the Holy Spirit can produce the fruit of the Spirit. Which is utterly obvious, (laughs) but I, I don't know about you, have you ever decided on your New Year's resolution to say, I will this year be more joyful. I will this year be more patient. I will this year have more self-control. And we sometimes believe that we can produce the fruit of the Spirit by our own effort, actions, disciplines and practices, when it clearly says they are the fruit of the Spirit. And we gave this illustration last week that some people understand following jesus is like being in a formula one race and you know in formula one you have the the pace car and everybody chases the pace car to keep up with the pace car and we can think well that's what christianity is that jesus sets this amazing example of what love looks like here's the pace car now my job is to do what jesus would do well you can't do what jesus would do it's supernatural you need Holy Spirit. That Christianity could be more described as Holy Spirit is this amazing bullet train that can travel 230 kilometres an hour on, on tracks and then the believer gets connected as a carriage to the bullet train and gets taken to adventures and gets taken yeah. to live this amazing life of fruit. But that is the believer's life. And so sometimes you we get exhausted in the faith and we get worn out and weary and that's because we're trying to live the life for God when God wants to live his life in us and then through us. It's the fruit of Holy Spirit. The Christian life is impossible. That's why you must be born again of the Spirit. (laughs) It's why religion is awful, where you do dead works to try and impress a God who's already impressed with his son who's died on the cross. And so, everything of the fruit is his initiative and his enablement. Our only part is the first bit, which is in verse 13, sorry, First 16, I say, live by the Spirit. That's yours and I's only part in the whole equation is To live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and sow to the Spirit. And we said last week that to walk by the Spirit is to believe what God says in his word. To say, my emotions do not prove something is true. They just show me what I believe is true. That walking by the Spirit is, I'm going to believe what God says about me. I'm going to believe what God says about my circumstances. I'm going to believe what God says about himself, regardless of how I feel. And I'm going to believe what God says about the people in my life, regardless of how things look. I'm going to challenge my past experience. I'm going to challenge my present circumstances. I'm going to challenge even my current emotions with the word of God until they all line up with who he is. And we said that walking by the Spirit is walking deeply with other people. That we all need the slap of a friend at times. We all need feedback from somebody. We all need to be in relationships. And that the Bible says these are the kind of spectrum that you can receive feedback from. Because some people say, I'll only receive feedback from Jesus. Well, the Bible says, Balaam got got some feedback from a donkey. And King David got some feedback from a madman. so there's a good spectrum there. We can receive it from an animal and a madman, okay? (laughs) It can come from all those places. And walking by the Spirit is walking in the presence of God. That hunger and thankfulness is all we really need to encounter more of Him. And so it's not striving because striving to bear fruit produces artificial fake fruit. An artificial fake fruit doesn't taste very sweet and very nice I don't know what they do with tomatoes in Holland but they don't <coughs> taste good when they get here I'm just, this is going to go off on a rant for a moment <laughs> why Why has everybody else got the best tomatoes? Well,
1: it's true,
0: it's true. seriously what are those tomatoes? why have they been ripened through CO2 in the back of a lorry and then we buy them they don't taste good we need to sign a petition. <laughs> Somebody needs to get in government and say, tomatoes, we want the ones that you've got in France and Italy, that yeah. in Napoli. We'll, we'll share your tomatoes with us. <laughs> so, fake fruit, artificially ripened fruit, does not taste good. And we mustn't confuse our natural personality and our natural temperament with... The supernatural fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we might find ourselves naturally stronger in one than the other. We might find ourselves just a naturally more patient person. We might find ourselves just naturally more kind or naturally more self-controlled. But notice it's fruit. It's fruit of the Holy Spirit. It means All nine are all gradually growing at all the same time. So just because we might be patient or naturally kind or naturally joyful does not mean that that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's why you can have unbelievers who don't know Jesus, haven't been born again from above, who have incredible levels of love, compassion and social justice. Because it might just be their temperament, their training, their history, their background, their education. It's caused them to just be more loving. So we mustn't confuse that maybe we've got this fruit and that fruit with the supernatural fruit of the Holy Spirit, where they all grow gradually, all at the same time. Because it might just be our temperament, it might just be our training. It might just be brain chemistry. It might just be selfish self-interest that manifests as, as kindness. So we want all the fruit to be growing all at the same time gradually. Now I want to look at what are the fruits, what do they look like and what does the fruit of the spirit do in us and what does fake counterfeit fruit look like? They say that for those who are trained in banks to spot forgeries, they don't spend all their life working out how the forgeries look, because forgers will come up with a hundred different types of forgeries. All they do is spend all their time knowing what the authentic, the real looks like. So they spend hours and hours and hours poring over the paper or the plastic and how it feels and what the texture like and what the hologram looks like, so that they know exactly what a real 20 pound looks like. And we want to be those who know what does the real fruit look like? Because I want to know I've got the real fruit. I want to know it's the real thing. And this is not to beat ourselves up about. It's good to know what we need. It's good to know what we need. It's like in school, when we uh, fail a test, um, we then concentrate on, wow. I didn't know that, I didn't get that, I didn't know how that worked. Then we focus all our attention on the bit that we didn't understand and we know the bits that we know. So the first one is love. And love is affection for others. It's liking, it's devotion to people. Remember this is the fruit of God. This is what God's like to you and me as well. And it's God rubbing off on us. Yes, it's hanging around Holy Spirit and he's going to rub off on us love. That God has affection for others. He likes you. Even just let these things start by believing it that he says it about me and then it comes out through us. He likes you and really enjoys you. Love is devotion to people. It's not what people can give. That's not love. Its counterfeit, or the fake, is treating people well because of how they make you feel about yourself. So sometimes, <coughs> you, you, people can get their whole identity and worthiness and significance and value by rescuing and by acts of love for other people. But the fruit of Holy Spirit is its, its self-giving love. It, it pours itself out, not because of what it gets back, but because of who he is. God doesn't do things because he's got insecurities or needs to be boistered up and built up. He doesn't love because... He feels insecure about himself. He loves because he is love. And loving is what he does. And as we're growing and maturing. We love because. We are devoted and we like. And have affection for people. Not because of how they respond to us. Just because we're loving people. The next one is. Joy. This is. Joy that overflows. It's. It's excitement. It's being full of energy. It's exhilaration. It's exuberance. And it's joy in God for who he is. It's just joy because of... just It's great to be with him. It's great to be loved by him. It's great to be near him. And joy pushes out hopelessness and despair. Mm-hmm. That's what joy does. It it attacks hopelessness and it attacks despair. Amen. And sometimes we can think oh, I'm a hope I feel hopeless and I feel despair. And we try to battle hopelessness and despair and try and push it down and, and, and get fixated on it when actually what we need is the great antidote, which is the joy of the Holy Spirit Amen. and his joy coming. The fake joy is this it's only to to feel joy or only to feel blessed when circumstances line up or when you get something or when someone compliments you so you feel an initial wave of joy because of a compliment or a circumstance or, or situation changing. But deep Joy doesn't kind of have mood swings. It's always joy in who God is and what he's like and his love. But it doesn't, mean we, it doesn't mean we can't get excited and joyful about dreams fulfilled and things we're excited about. It's not this kind of stoic, kind of, we grit our teeth, we're never joyful about anything that goes on in life. God is a hedonist and he he loves our joy and our pleasure. So one of my dreams on my list was I wanted to see the film Jaws again at the cinema. And I put it on my list. I went to London Bridge and I saw a poster that says Jaws is being re-released on the cinema. And it was only going to happen in the UK. And I thought, wow! I'm going to believe that's because he heard that I wanted to see that film again at the cinema. And there was a joyful yes. And she'll say, "What's wrong? Just yeah. I've seen the poster. <coughs> it's out." There's joy in in someone getting married. There's joy in um, in a new birth, a baby being born. There's joy in going up to a holiday. There's joy in getting a job promotion. There's joy in a good meal there's joy in all these things but Holy Spirit joy doesn't produce mood swings where one minute we're joyful and then we're not joyful anymore because we're looking for the next thing can you see that there's a difference between I'm loving the moment I'm loving this and then sometimes we then feel <coughs> flat and then we're looking for the next high what's the next thing what's the next thing what's the next holiday what's the and that's how the whole advertising industry works <laughs> Deliver you to Christmas with the new sofa. Whoa, the new sofa. Oh, that didn't change my life. Don't worry. Holiday. Holiday. Whoa, holiday. I booked my holiday. Oh, it was good, but it wasn't that good. You know, these companies are overselling, over-promising what they cannot deliver. And that's how it needs to go because they need to keep selling us the new car, the new this, the new that, because it's got a promise that we're going to have joy. But the joy that God gives... doesn't produce mood swings. Peace. I love this one. Freedom from inner agitation, irritation and frustration. It produces calm, tranquility and quiet because it rests in the care and wisdom of God. I'm trusting him. He's going to lead. He's going to guide. He's going to direct. He's going to keep me on track. He can speak and I can hear. I don't have to get stressed. Did I miss your voice? No, no, you speak and I hear. That's what we promised Jesus. It replaces anxiety and worry. There's a peace that transcends all understanding. So that means we have to have circumstances that we don't understand. So if you're going to have a peace that transcends all your ability to comprehend, strategize and understand, then you're going to need some situations that you don't know what to do so that there can be a peace and a tranquility and a calm that goes beyond what you understand. The counterfeit version of peace is indifference, apathy and not caring. So someone can look really peaceful but frankly, they don't care about anything. <laughs> whatever, whatever happens, que Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Don't really mind, don't really care. Got no passions, got no interests. I'm invested in absolutely nothing, no relationship, no, no dream, nothing. And so of course they look really peaceful because they don't really care about anything. Indifference, <clears throat> apathy, and not caring. Peace, peace can dream huge things. And yet in the middle of disappointment, setback, the unplanned pace and place can have an inner world that's free of agitation and irritation. Patience. Patience. It's the willingness to stick with things. It's tolerating delay problems without debilitating annoyance, anxiety. This is peace that's long-suffering endurance the capacity to say i am not backing down and i am not quitting it's resilience it's bounce back it's staying power without blowing up or hitting out wow there's a whole whole generation that needs that needs patience to stick with things think our culture loves the idea of the instantaneous success story. That's mm. what X Factor is based on. The unknown talent that we discovered because we came to your city and you just had this voice, have you ever sung in public before? No, actually I've never sung before. Wow, we discovered you from nowhere. Where the truth is, the real story is patience, tolerating problems, sticking at things. Um, the opposite of patience is um, resentment towards God Um, God promised it didn't happen how I wanted, when I wanted, the way I wanted I am now resentful towards God patience pushes out resentment and its counterfeit is very similar or the fake version is very similar to peace it's a lack of care but also it can be cynicism kind of unbelief I don't believe for anything. I'm not expecting anything. I'm not looking for anything. So of course I'm patient for the nothing to come along. Because I wasn't expecting anything anyway. (coughs) Kindness is compassion in the heart and action. It's a a sweetness. A tenderness. It's a generosity. It's serving others practically. The fake version of kindness is manipulative good deeds. It's doing good And kind things to only feel good about yourself. The kindness of God is self-giving. The kindness of God leads us to change our mind. To repent. His kindness is, is him actively coming after us. And that's how we're to be. Goodness is integrity. It's being the same person in every situation that you're in. It's always being, wherever I am, I'm always me. I'm always me. I am a, I'm a thermometer wherever I go, a thermostat wherever I go. I can set the temperature wherever I go because I'm always me. It's goodness with integrity. When I'm, when, 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 when I'm with a whole crowd of non-believers, I don't just become like a non-believer. Or when I'm with a whole crowd of believers, I don't just act like a believer. I'm, there's integrity about who... I am, I'm always the same wherever I am, I'm always truthful and I'm always loving. I'm not a chameleon, you know, changing my colour depending on the environment I'm in. The fake version is I'm loving but I'm not truthful. That's why a slap of a friend. The slap of a friend is powerful. And so goodness is I'm truthful and I'm loving. And so, it's the capacity to say, I love you so much, I will confront, I will challenge. Faithfulness is loyalty, courage, dedication, being constant, being utterly reliable, true to your word. If you've said it, you do it. One of our principles is, whatever we've said yes to first, is our yes. We're not holding on for a better offer. Mm. Mm.
1: There's
0: a whole culture out there that's pleasure-seeking. will say, mm. I've said yes to this, but if something better comes up, I'm now changing my yes to that now. It's going to be my no. Faithfulness is, I'm utterly reliable. I'm true to my word. I'm not an opportunist. Mm. When I say it, I mean it. My yes is yes and my no is no. Gentleness is, I'm not going to force my own way in life. I'm going to be tender, soft, with humility. Gentleness is I'm actually self forgetful. The gospel makes us self forgetful. Um, So much of neurosis and suffering is because our whole world's just centered on ourselves and how we feel and what we feel we deserve. (coughs) Gentleness creates a self forgetful attitude. The opposite is. Self-absorbed. I'm going to force my way in life. Actually, just to say that most of Western culture believes that the root issue of people's behaviour is low self-esteem. Many scholars would actually say the real root is actually high self-esteem. It's believing the world should revolve around me. I'm completely absorbed with me, what I deserve, what I want. That most violent crime is committed by people with high self-esteem because they are self-absorbed and believe that it's their right to get what they should have any way they should Mm. have it. And so actually the gospel ultimately isn't about taking us from low self-esteem to high self-esteem. It's about bringing us into a place where our whole worthiness and identity is rooted and based upon how he loves us, how we're no longer in the courtroom being found guilty, how we've been justified and loved. That brings us into a place of actually being self-forgetful because we believe the verdict is in. And that's yes. why Paul in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3, 22 to 4, 7 is able to say to the Corinthians, do you know what, I really don't care what you think about me when they're really being critical. And then he says, I think I'm innocent and I don't think what you're saying is true but even if it is true, I really don't care what I think either. So he won't go down low self-esteem And he won't try and build up high self-esteem. He says, I only care what the Lord thinks. I only care about his opinion, his assessment, and how he views me. Which actually then releases us to being gentle. So, self-control is, I'm able to direct my energies wisely, especially in difficult circumstances. I'm able to lead myself, my desires, and my emotions... It's the, it's the supernatural ability to pursue the important over the urgent, rather than being impulsive. And the fake is, is, is just having willpower. And willpower is, I can do this because I am self-sufficient, I am independent, and I have self-reliance. I need to feel in control. The difference is a supernatural capacity from God to steer yourself. So, can you see how all these relate? That self control and faithfulness go together. So, how do these fruit grow? The first thing is is, we're going to finish with these really is that Paul uses the word fruit, it's deliberate. He's talking about something that grows gradually. Jesus says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Another illustration. Things that they would have seen everywhere. They would have been used to seeing things grow and trees and fruit and harvest. And so he's pointing them to the apple tree or a or a tree bearing fruit. If you notice you don't see a tree bear fruit. You can stare at it as long as you like. But really, when you look at it, it looks like nothing on earth is happening. You know, in the winter you go and look at an apple tree now, it'll be completely bare. And the sun will come out and then you'll see some buds and blossom and apples. But if you just stare at it, nothing's happening. It's like if you stare at your kids and say, are you growing? Are you growing? Are you growing? Or you measure them every day. You're not growing. You're not growing. It's the same mark as yesterday. But then suddenly you look and think, you've grown. You're five centimetres taller. And it's the same with apples. There was nothing on it. Now there's a whole load of fruit. It's something... That the Holy Spirit is causing to happen. We think, oh, I'm not growing. But if we've been born again, you can say, no, something <coughs> is happening. Yeah. And if you have you think, I'm not growing, I'm not growing, I'm not growing as a believer, and then something happens in your life, and thinking, oh wow. I would have blown up then. But I didn't. There there was this there was this capacity to be patient and I could tolerate delay without without becoming annoyed and anxious, you, yeah. you suddenly look and think, ah, oh, I'm becoming more joyful.
1: Yeah. Where did that
0: come from? Whoa, blossom is coming out, buds are coming out, something is <coughs> changing. There's new reactions that I'm seeing. <clears throat> the other thing is, if you are born again, fruit is inevitable. You will grow fruit. Amen. Connected to the vine, The branch will bear fruit. It's inevitable. So imagine if you put an acorn under a slab of marble. You might think that marble is never moving. Nothing is going to budge that marble. And then if you came back say 10, 20, 30, 40 years later and you see an oak tree and then you look under the oak tree there's a piece of marble that's been completely cracked in two Because the force of what was in the acorn, the life that was in the acorn, was an oak tree. And when it grew, it just pushed through and cracked the marble. That God is in you, growth will happen. Holy Spirit grows his fruit regardless of your natural temperament. You might say, like I could say, I've done lots of online tests, Jamie, you're a melancholic You're a glass half empty kind of guy. That's who you are. That's all you're ever going to be. There's the marble. No, the Holy Spirit says, no. Mm -hmm. I've got an an acorn under that. You're going to become a joy-filled believer. You're going to become a hope-filled believer. Mm -hmm. That the Holy Spirit is not limited by our natural outlook, our natural tendency. That we can be, we can have... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control because of a supernatural life that God is at work in us. So expect all of them to be growing as you're walking, as you're living, as you're sowing to the Spirit. It's His life in you that produces fruit. Remember the apple seed that we talked about last week. What does an apple seed need to do to become a fruitful tree? Well, in the apple seed, everything, all of its DNA, everything it needs is inside it. So all it really needs is it gets planted in the soil, it draws water from the soil, it puts its roots down, and then it just enjoys the warmth of the sun. That's how you grow in Christ. You are planted by streams of water. Mm -hmm. That's what Psalm 1 says. Streams. (coughs) You will bear fruit in season. Mm -hmm. Your leaf is always going to be green. All you really need to do in life is abide in the soil. Enjoy the soil. Drink deep of his love. Mm -hmm. Rest in his presence. Put your roots into the nutrients. The life of the Spirit is going to cause you to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're not passive. There are things we do. But all we really do is, I'm just going to be a train carriage that's connected to the rocket called Holy Spirit. I'm just going to abide, walk, live, sow to Holy Spirit. I'm going to fully yield and fully trust. That I'm growing in these things fruit is inevitable growth is, is I can't see it happening but God is at work
1: Hallelujah.
0: in me yes. and so I've got hope that I'm gonna grow all of these things and so if you look at any of those things you think I'm full of anxiety or I'm full of worry or I'm full of agitation and anger and frustration and irritation don't focus on trying to change those things and modify those things Focus on how am I going to draw upon the life that's in God. In in other words, I'm not battling this. I'm I'm not going to fight the wrong battle on the wrong battlefield. So when you see yourself, I'm agitated, I'm never at peace, I'm always full of anxiety. The wrong battle on the wrong battlefield is to focus all your attention on modifying and trying to change that. The right battle on the right battlefield is is to... Get as much of the Bible as you possibly can. Believe what the Holy Spirit reveals. Trust him above your emotions. Walk deeply with other people. Give yourself to time being in his presence and being in worship and enjoying prayer and enjoying relationship. Delight yourself in God. Celebrate who God is for you in Jesus. Find pleasure in who he is and his promises and his goodness and his faithfulness. And then you find your roots are going deep, deep down. And you're drawing and drawing and drawing. And you're growing and you didn't even know it. Your buds blossom fruit. So God, I want to thank you for the supernatural new birth. I want to thank you for beautiful fruit that you're growing in every believer's life. I thank you that we're bigger than our history. Mm. And we're bigger than our experience. And that maybe we were never naturally a joyful person. But the promising God is... We can be absolutely joyful because it's a work of God. Maybe we're not very peaceful and we, we find it difficult to rest and we find it difficult not to worry. And you say, no, I'm going to produce calm and tranquility. Maybe we're impatient. And we don't tolerate delay very well. Well, you're going to produce endurance that never quits. Thank you for all you're doing in our lives, God. Thank you for impossible fruit, supernatural fruit that you grow because of our relationship with you, Jesus. And we say, let it grow more and more and more in this place. Let people look on and say, wow, how do you grow all of those all at the same time? And we can we can tell them, wow, it's, it's the work of God. It's the kindness of God. It's the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen.